Blog Talk Radio. Jim Holder's in Atlanta area, 
and Larry Lundquist over in the Biltmore area, a Baltimore area, I'm sorry, and Mark Carter, our Eastern 3.0 reporter, is in the Miami area. Hello, one and all. Our producer, if you see any of our other regulars, please tell me, let me know. From all our hosts, welcome and thank you for listening and calling the show for over the past nine plus years. Oh, we have truly, you have made, truly made us the radio voice of Eastern Airlines. We love to hear your comments and share your memories with the radio listeners from around the world during the broadcast. If you haven't called a show before, all you need to do is call 213-816-1611. Just say hello. Talk to us on the air live every Monday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Many of our listeners choose to listen by computer using the radio icon on our homepage at www.ealradioshow.com or perhaps by signing in on the site of our provider, Blog Talk Radio, at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie. Now remember to abbreviate the word Captain to C-A-P-T. Should you wish to talk during our live broadcast, feel free to use our call-in number, 213-816-1611, at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, let me repeat that number so you can write it down for your Monday night visit, 213-816-1611. By the way, tell your friends about it. Our membership is growing. We're now way over the 1,052 mark with Eastern's family and friends. And don't forget, you can listen to any of the 470 Monday night broadcasts and the 100-plus Thursday broadcasts by simply going to blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie. That's C-A-P-T-E-D-D-I-E, and scrolling down through the archives of the broadcast. Each episode is briefly described, and we're nearing the 600th episode now, and all because of the listeners like you wanting to talk about Eastern Airlines. Our lines are always open for calls. If you choose not to participate and talk live with our host, we ask you to please mute your phone as our producer does not have the capability of filtering out background noises such as, you know, barking dogs and slamming doors and ice cubes in the beverages and, of course, ringing phones. That's why they put the mute feature on the phone. Now, I see we're number one for takeoff, so, Captain, let's get flight 475 in the air. Eastern 474, this is Omaha Tower. You're cleared for takeoff. Roger. Uh, Tower, this is uh, Eastern 475. We're on the roll. Wind 10024, runway 13 right, cliff takeoff. Ah, there it is.
Don. George. Eastern Airlines was quite a composite of assorted airline, uh, excuse me, assorted air travel corporations, including Florida Airways and Pitcairn Aviation. In the late 1920s, Pitcairn won a contract to fly mail between New York City and Atlanta, Georgia, on mail wing single engine aircraft. Then in 1929, Clement Keyes, the owner of North American Aviation, purchased Pitcairn and in 1930 changed the company's name to Eastern Air Transport. After being purchased by General Motors and experiencing a change in leadership, after the Air Mail Act of 1934, the airline became known as Eastern Airlines. In 1938, World War I flying ace Eddie Rickenbacker bought Eastern from General Motors. The complex deal was concluded when Rickenbacker presented Alfred P. Sloan with a certified check for $3,500,000, which is equivalent to $63,570,000 in 2019. In March of 1939, Eastern had 15 weekday departures from Newark with six to Washington, five to Miami, and one each to Richmond, Atlanta, Houston, and San Antonio. There were also two from Chicago to Miami, one from Tampa to Atlanta, and one from Tallahassee to Memphis. Those flights and their returns were Eastern's entire scheduled operation, and it fit on a single page in the Airways Guide. Then, as later, Eastern was the fourth largest airline in the country by passenger miles, which in 1939 amounted to $103 million. Mike? Yeah, Charles T. Ludington and his brother in 1930 with two other airline executives were pioneers in the aviation industry by starting an hourly air service for passengers only using this specially designed aircraft. The executive specialists were Eugene Luther Vidal and Paul F. Collins, who originally had the idea for such an airline. Between the four of them, they managed to run Ludington Airline without a government mail without government mail revenues and made a profit for two years. For a short short time, Amelia Earhart was hired as the vice president and in charge of publicity. In nineteen thirty three, the Ludington line put in a bid for twenty five cents on the airmail contract and lost it to a lower bid that came in from Eastern at uh at eighty nine cents per mile. Uh there was a uh, newspaper reporter by the name of Fulton Lewis who began to look into this upset, and in the, the event began the investigation known as the airmail scandal. The Ludington line was sold to Eastern Air Transport, later known as Eastern Airlines, and the proceeds were then <coughs> used to purchase the Hoover Airport, which was later sold at a profit. Harry? Uh, thanks, Captain Mike. Um, Rickenbacker pushed Eastern into a period of growth and innovation. For a time, Eastern was the most profitable airline in the post-war era, never needing state subsidy. In the late 1950s, Eastern's position was eroded by subsidies to rival airlines and the arrival of the jet age. On October 1, 1959, Rickenbacker's position as CEO was taken over by Malcolm A. McIntyre, a brilliant lawyer, but a man inexperienced in airline operations. 
Rickenbacker's ouster was largely due to his reluctance to acquire expensive jets as he underestimated their appeal to the public. A new management team headed by Floyd D. Hall took over on 16 December 1963, and Rickenbacker left his position as director and chairman of the board on December 31, 1963. He was age 73. In 1956, Eastern brought Colonial Airlines, giving the airline its first route to Canada. It was founded as Canadian Colonial Airways on March 6, 1928, to operate foreign air mail route number one, FAM-1, it was called, from New York to Montreal via Albany, New York. Services began to Canada on October 1, 1928. The Fairchild FC-2 was among the aircraft types used. After acquisition by a group of investors, the airline was renamed Colonial Airlines on May 1, 1942. The airline operated for a period of five years, during which a fierce competition was fought for its control between national airlines. After several reversals of government policy, Eastern Airlines emerged as the acquirer, and the operational merger took place on June 1, 1956. A few years following the merger, many of the colonial's more rural destinations were deleted from Eastern's route network. Mackey Airlines was founded by former stunt pilot and United States Air Force Colonel Joseph C. Mackey on September 30, 1946. Flights flew primarily out of Fort Lauderdale Base and West Palm Beach, Miami. Mackey Airlines served the Bahamas as well as Haiti and the Turks and Caicos Islands in the Caribbean. In 1956, it quieted Minute Aviation. The original Mackey Airlines was acquired by Eastern Airlines in 1967, although flights to Bimini from Miami continued until at least 1968. Eastern, being an airline of first, wanted more routes, so they merged with Mackey Airlines. That was a tremendous move for Eastern as Mackey International Airlines out of Fort Lauderdale Airport carried certification as an international airline, making Fort Lauderdale an international airport. This proved to be very profitable for Florida because it gave Eastern access and a hop, skip, and jump flyaway to the Bahamas. Care Bear was an international airline that was based in San Juan, Puerto Rico. In 1970, the air carrier was serving 16 destinations on 14 islands in the Caribbean region, as well as Miami, which was the airline's only destination in the United States. The cover of its April 1970 system timetable claimed, quote, only Care Bear goes all the way, end quote which reflected its direct no change of airplanes. The McDonnell Douglas DC-9-30 
service operated by a number of intermediate stops, including San Juan between Miami and Port of Spain, Trinidad, located at the southern end of the Caribbean island chain off the coast of South America. Caravair was also the first Puerto Rico-based airline to operate jet aircraft on scheduled passenger service. The air carrier was acquired by Eastern Airlines in 1966, and I might add that I was on the Eastern MEC as the first officer, second officer rep in Atlanta. I met those Caravair MEC guys at a first joint meeting, which was in Miami, as I recall, which was also the LEC, where they, they only had one base at Caravair. There was no second officer rep at the route of bases back in those days. Carrie Sue? Okay. Eastern was bought by Texas Air Corporation in 1986. In 1991, Eastern Airlines ceased operation and some of its assets were assigned to Continental Airlines. In 2010, Continental merged with United Airlines. Many business plans were presented to the investors and who purchased some of the in- who purchased some of the intellectual rights and assets of the Eastern Estate and the one accepted was the Eastern Airlines Group, Inc. It was an an airline based in Miami, Florida, founded in 2011. It operated charter flights between Miami and destinations in the United States, Caribbean, and Latin America. The new Eastern Airlines operated from Building 5A at Miami International Airport. The building used to house the system and maintenance control centers of the original airline. Eastern Airlines conducted its last flight September 2017 when Swift Air completed its asset purchase and all remaining Eastern aircraft were transferred to the Swift Certificate. In September 2017, Eastern surrendered its certificate to the FAA. The Eastern name was transferred to Dynamic International Airways, an airline co-owned by Swift ownership and now operating as Eastern Airlines LLC. Mark? Me? Yes, Mark. What, I have a part? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'll take it over. Uh, version 3.0 in 2017, Swift Air acquired Boeing 737-800 assets of Eastern Airlines, stating Eastern Airlines name, assets, and associated trademarks will be retained within the transaction. Now, Eastern Airlines LLC, previously Dynamic International Airways, is a U.S. certificated airline founded in 2010. The airline operates Boeing 767-200ERs and Boeing 767-300ERs. It began as Dynamic Airways. What a name, dynamic. The company added international to its name to reflect its transition from a charter airline into scheduled international services. And under the dynamic name, dynamic was headquartered in High Point, North Carolina, offering service from New York to South America. It used to operate from Fort Lauderdale, Chicago, Los Angeles, and New York to the Caribbean, Cancun, and South America. Following a successful bankruptcy restructuring in 2018 and 
in April 2018, Dynamic International Airways obtained a license to use the Eastern Intellectual Property from Swift Air and the leases of two aircraft from the 2015 Eastern Airlines startup, Dynamic was rebranded as Eastern Airlines. Two words, Eastern Airlines, instead of three words, Eastern Air Transport, or Eastern Airlines, excuse me, three words. In the spring of 2019, it was announced that Eastern would move its offices to Wayne, Pennsylvania in September. Now, Mark Porter is here to bring us up to date about how the operation is going, I hope smoothly. Mark? Yeah, uh, so far uh, Eastern is on track to go into Brazil next month for uh, Rome out of Miami. Um, I'm not sure if that's going to be a, a permanent route, but I did notice that there are no flights from Miami International Airport to uh, Rome, Italy. So it would be an excellent route if uh, um, they decided to pick it up. Um, aircraft uh, 767-300, the last of the, the fleet, is in the shop being painted currently in Peru. And once it's out, um, then the new aircraft that are in the sister company of Eastern, Alta Airlines Holdings, will be joining the fleet. Uh, matter of fact, 1767-36D uh, joined the fleet uh, last week. And these aircraft are a lot younger than currently are in Eastern's fleet, and they range from around 18 to 22 years old, which may sound old, but there's still a lot of life left in those versus aircraft that are in their 30s. Um, Eastern is on track to, it has obtained the fifth 777, and these are uh, Jet Midwest facilities in Kansas. And two more 747-400 extra range flew in from Qantas. Uh, and those usually then go from uh, Jet Midwest. They get their maintenance checkups. And then they join the Alta Airlines Holding Corporation. And then they join the Eastern Fleet. Uh, it looks like Eastern wants at least four to five 747s for cargo because these are uh, Boeing converted freighters. And they also have two DC 10-30s that are around 40 years old in their fleet that only can be um, estimated to be joining the cargo fleet. Uh, Yata has said that 8,000 747s will be needed to disperse the vaccine when it becomes available. It would oh, be a wow. good chance for, for Eastern to get as many of their wide bodies, including 777s, into uh, the to be approved by Yetta to carry the vaccines to countries around the world. And that's about it for tonight. That's great news, Mark. Thank you. Please keep us up to date on what's happening with the new and exciting news coming from version 3.0, as we refer to the new company that put the name Eastern back in the air. But let's see, on another note, we've added our newest host, Harry Lindquist, on our team, and his photo and bio are up on the website. 
why not pay a visit to the website, www.ealradioshow.com, and under the home page about us, click on Host. We will see a lineup of all the team members, both the regulars and the contributing members, and also there's our sponsor and testimonials there. Of course, while you're there, why not explore other interesting pages that I as webmaster regularly update. Some interesting trips on the website, too, is under the Members Roster tab in the Photo Album page. We do have the tab More, which has all the archive episode shows from 1 to 474, and, of course, tonight's show will be up there shortly. And you'll also see videos, and, of course, our web store is up there. We, too, have the EAL Chrono History Hall of Fame, and, folks, there is much more for you to see. Don? Well, as I mentioned earlier, to close our program this evening, our hosts will each tell us about a fact we should not forget. When two days and 19 years ago, we heard this. Okay, I have got to interrupt you right now. Richard Hack, thank you very much. We appreciate the book is called Hughes. We want to go live right now and show you a picture of the World Trade Center where I understand, do we have it? No, we do not. We have a breaking story, though. We're going to come back with that in just a moment. First, this is today on NBC. Here in New York, I'm Brian Gumbel. We understand that there has been a plane crash on the uh, southern tip of Manhattan. You're looking at the uh, World Trade Center. We understand that a plane has crashed into the World Trade Center. We don't know anything more than that. We don't know if it was a commercial aircraft. Now, by the entire ABC network, uh, Good Morning America was in progress in the East Coast and the Midwest, but we're joined by the entire network just to show you some pictures at the foot of New York City. This is at the World Trade Center. Obviously a major fire there, and there has been some sort of explosion. We don't fully know the details. There is one report, as of yet unconfirmed, that a plane has hit uh, the World Trade Center, and you can see that there is smoke there coming out of at least two sides of the building. And we do have some breaking news that we want to bring you around, and we're going to go to a picture, a live picture from New York City. Apparently a plane has crashed into the World Trade Center in New York. 852 with limited information at this point. We don't know about injuries uh, in the building or people on the ground, but obviously this has potential sure. for, for, for being a, a major uh, disaster here. Look at that. As Matt just mentioned, we have a breaking news story to tell you about. Apparently, a plane has just crashed into the World Trade Center here in New York City. It happened just a few moments ago, apparently. We have very little information available. We are, uh, we have, I understand, an eyewitness on the phone right now. Sir, what's your name? Yeah, my name is Stuart. Stuart, where are you right now? I'm working at a restaurant in Soho. All right, so tell us what you saw, if you would. I literally, I was waiting at a table and I literally saw a, it seemed to be like a small plane. I just heard a couple noises. It looked like it like bounced off the building and then I heard, a, I just saw a huge 
like ball of fire on top. And then the smoke seemed to simmer down. And it just, um, you know, a lot of smoke was coming out. And that's pretty much the extent of what I saw. September 11, 2001, nearly 3,000 people were killed, with 400 being police officers and firefighters, in the terrorist attacks at the World Trade Center in New York City, at the Pentagon Building in Washington, D.C., and in a plane crash near Shanksville, Pennsylvania. was not the first terrorist attack on the World Trade Center. A bombing in February of 1993 killed six people. On any given workday, up to 50,000 employees worked in the World Trade Center Twin Towers, and an additional 40,000 people passed through the complex. After the September 11th attacks on the World Trade Center, the rescue and recovery cleanup of the 1.8 million tons of wreckage from the World Trade Center site took nine months. Passengers aboard flight United Flight 93 heard about the previous airplane attack and attempted to retake control of the plane from hijackers. As a result, the hijackers deliberately crashed the plane into a Pennsylvania field instead of their unknown target, believed to be the nation's capital. While video accounts of the World Trade Center attack aired immediately, no video uh, footage of the Pentagon attack was publicly released until 2006. Though both the police and fire departments of New York City had their own emergency response procedures, the two departments did not have a coordinated response plan to a major incident. The attack on the World Trade Center on 9-11 resulted in the largest loss of life by a foreign attack on American soil. Eighteen people. Eighteen people were Go ahead, Mark. Were rescued alive from the rubble of the World Trade Center site. In 2019, the U.S. Senate passed a bill ensuring that a fund to compensate victims on the September 11th attack never runs out of money, and the first responders won't have to turn, return to Congress to plead for more funding. Back to you, Dorothy. Jim, what is going on with the RIPA these days? Can you tell us? Yeah, tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock, Carrie and I are going to go over to Jerry Frost's home in Douglasville, and we're going to, with uh, Johnny Steinmetz and Richard Burnett, and, of course, Jerry Frost, we're going to count the ballots for the uh, possible dissolution of RIPA. Well, thank you, Jim, for that. We're certainly looking forward to hearing that. Dorothy, I'll let you know. Dorothy? Yes, uh, Neil. Uh, Yeah, before we close the show, I'd like to 
apologize for tonight. Uh, I, I guess I messed up on my script, but uh, also uh, didn't play the right uh, music at the right time. So my apology. Uh, I'm not reading too well or seeing too well, it seems. And uh, but uh, I had an interesting experience, and I'd like to tell you about it in the few minutes we have left. Well, we have several minutes left, but I want to add this uh, to the radio show tonight. Uh, I had uh, had for several years, as most of us at our age uh, know, because they can't read, uh, and it went get when it gets to the point that you ask the person in the passenger seat of your car to read out the interstate highway signs, you know, you've got problems. And so I, I, I just Tell couldn't put it off it. any longer. And we have one of the most remarkable health centers, uh, I think in the world. Uh, it began in Rochester, Minnesota with the Mayo Clinic. And the second uh, Mayo Clinic was built here in Jacksonville, Florida with the donation and gift by the Davis family, the owners of Winn-Dixie, about 800 acres of land to encourage them to come and build their first off-campus from Rochester uh, facility. And I was there at the beginning, almost the very beginning uh, in 1994 when I had surgery. Uh, they didn't have a hospital at that time. They had St. Luke's that they had, they had uh, uh, worked a, uh, a, a deal with St. Luke's to perform all their surgery. And so mine was done there. But I had all of my visits in one single building there on the main campus now that has a campus that's probably as large as, as uh, almost as large as the Rochester campus. And one of the most beautiful grounds you've ever seen. It's gorgeous. And I'm so proud of Jacksonville for having done that because we have visitors from all over the world that come to this facility. So my surgery was done there. I had prostate and bladder cancer back in 1994. I'm still alive. I'm a cancer survivor, I'm proud to say. And then when I got to my eyes, I said, well, I'm going to give them to Mayo Clinic again. But here's the story I'm leading into. I had the first eye, the right eye done, two weeks ago as planned. The surgeon, very skilled, and one of the, he's the leading surgeon on the ophthalmology department, uh, did a wonderful job and kept me completely posted and informed. But lying on the table this morning, ready, ready well, I wasn't on the table. Yes, I was, because the bed that they put me on to prep me for the operation became my surgical table as they rolled me down to the, to the, uh, e, uh, the, uh, the uh, room, surgical room. But anyhow, the young lady that uh, was preparing me asked me what I did for a living. And I said, well, you know, at my age, I shouldn't be doing anything. And, uh, but uh, <clears throat> I do have a, a few hobbies and, one of those hobbies is to do a radio show. I always take, uh, if I can, tell anyone about our radio show. So she said, you do a radio show. What about? And I said, oh, 
you probably wouldn't be interested in it, but it's it's an aviation store. It's an aviation show. She said, well, what type of aviation? I said, well, it's an airline show. She said, oh, you were with an airline? I said, yeah. She said, which one? I said, well, you're probably younger than 40, and you wouldn't remember us anyhow. So I was very negative there talking to her. She said, well, which one? I said, Eastern Airlines. She stopped and looked at me. She said, my mom worked for Eastern Airlines for 25 years out of Atlanta. <laughs> out of Atlanta. And I said, my hmm. golly. She said, and then after Eastern shut down, she went on to other airlines like ATA, uh, even AirTran, uh, U.S. Air. And she finally retired after 50 years flying as a flight attendant. 50 years. Wow. So I said, well, where is she? She's in St. Augustine. I said, well, that's where I live, St. Augustine. We've got to get your mom on the air. So she and I talked until they finally rolled me down to the operating room, and, and I haven't seen her since. But she did copy the phone number to call in and the website to uh, look us up on the internet. And she said she's going to make her mom do that. By the way, she is a Silverliner. So she is a member of the Silverliners. And I said, well, certainly she's heard of our radio show. And I said, I told her, I said, I'm sure that a couple of our pilots that are on our show also, I'm sure we flew with your mom. And I said, well, why are you uh, in the nursing business? (laughs) You ought to be you ought to have followed in your mom's footsteps. She said, I did. She said, I did it for four years, and I couldn't stand it. So she said, I went back and got her degree in nursing, and she's been with the Mayo Clinic for about four or five years. So it's amazing the people that you run into. And uh, I never knew, try to miss a chance. If someone asks me what I do, uh, obviously I'm retired, but I always say my hobby is this. Actually, it's become my main uh, thing of keeping me alive, I think. <laughs> but uh, it was really fun, and uh, I think she'll I think she'll tune us in probably on the next show. So now, anybody else have any announcements before I let Dorothy take the show over? <laughs> well, I think, Neil, I think uh, people are fascinated with the radio show, and I was trying to figure that out. And I think it's because there's really not really many radio shows of our time you know, where they're speaking of things. Yeah. Everything TV. Yeah. And, you know, it's amazing that when that when the doctor asked me the same question you know, uh, on your your information at the Mayo Clinic, it doesn't say who you work for. And uh, he asked me, he said, what do you do for a living? What did you do for a living, obviously, 84? And I said, well, I was uh, with the airlines. And he asked which one. We talked about that. And I, he said, well, uh, you have uh, anything that you're doing now? I said, yeah, I'm doing a radio show. And, of course, it piqued his <laughs> curiosity. And he started asking me questions about it. Yeah. So every chance you get, guys, uh, mention the show. People are interested in hearing about that. They almost think you're a celebrity. You're talking that you're a host on the radio. Well, Neil, 
I, I yeah. have the dating sites. So every girl says, what are you doing on Monday? They say, oh, I got to do the radio show I'm in. They go, radio oh. show? So, I mean, a lot of girls know about the radio show. Hey, Mark, that's an idea. Dorothy, yeah. put it on our schedule. We're going to do a show on dating. <laughs> Uh-oh, Mark, you started oh. something. That's <laughs> a bicycle with no chain. <laughs> well, has everyone seen all the 787 returns? No. Oh, yeah. No, I've been going on it. with them. Yeah. It makes me wonder if Eastern won't jump at the chance now to get some 787s. This is a good well, time Amazon to get some cheap. Did. Amazon got a 787. Did they? Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> hmm. That's quick to hear, though. Yeah, I mean, if Eastern could get four, you know, to mix in with their 767s for in a more on-time performance, that would be wonderful. Um, two of the five 777s are dedicated entirely to the Department of Defense. Wow. That's why they can get 452 seats into it, because they can stuff military boys in there. Yeah. Mark, I, I wish we could get uh, the CEO of uh, the New East. Oh, Minnesota. yeah. I'm, I mentioned it many times to him. Yeah, I know you have. You sent notes of it. Yeah, he's the. Well, we he's, um, Yeah, he's very much the sort of the opposite. He's very tight-lipped about things, whereas the other um, CEO on Eastern Two was very open about things. And I think it's better to be open because once you've made a filing. Um, you know, to the United States, to the uh, um, DOT, then everyone knows about it. They probably know about it before you've made the filing. So it's no secret then that you're going to be flying to Brasilia or Belo Horizonte or uh, Curibita. And then once it's up on your website, it's even less of a secret. So to not go on a radio show to get publicity because they're flying point to point. So the only yeah. people they're really bringing into this country, uh, I mean, to that uh, Belo Horizonte, are the Brazilians they're bringing into Miami. When they really could be taking, if they had a flight that went from John F. Kennedy to Miami, like every other major carrier does, and connecting 8 million people from Manhattan onto uh, air, air flight, uh, air carrier, uh, aircraft that went from to Brasilia, or Recife, or Montevideo, um, I don't get it. I really don't get why he's so quiet on the thing. Yeah. So, Well, um, I did uh, reach out to Susan Weigel, and I had the pleasure of chatting with her on the Internet. And um, they -hmm. just bought a house down in Marathon, and almost neighbors of my little brother, who has a home on the water there on the Atlantic side, and uh, they bought, I think, on the Atlantic side, too, uh, Ed and Susan Weigel. And so I asked. Yeah, they're uh, very Susan, nice I people. Said, ask, I said, ask Ed if he'd like to come on and tell us what he's doing and and uh, go fishing mm-hmm. with my brother while you're there. <laughs> and I gave my little brother <laughs> their phone number. And she says, by all means, have him call us. So 
if I can get my little brother to take him out fishing, I know they'll be on the show. Yeah, it's trying to get a uh, world uh, airways up and going. Yeah. Well, so, before we leave, the very summer up here, and you can go out fishing with George. Yeah, there you go. I'm trying to get George to go down there fishing with my little brother. George, you got to do it. <laughs> yeah, I might take you up on that this winter, Neil. I'm getting tired of the uh, oh, cold on. winters up here. Oh, you got to go south. You got to go south, man. Yeah, I think you're right. Hey, while we're at it, they had a hurricane uh, that uh, breezed through the Straits of Florida, headed up to my daughter's neck of the woods. She lives in Mobile. And the last I saw, which we came on before we came on air, I think the projection is closer to Pensacola. So yeah, I don't know whether it's like changed course. And so that includes Mobile Bay in that area. So, yeah, uh, let's think of those folks in that area. They've really had a beating. And uh, another thing is my little brother, I mean, not my little brother, my 60-year-old son lives out <laughs> in Napa. And he and his wife have a home out there in a little town called Vallejo, which is 20 miles south of Napa. And, of course, they have been staring at flames for the last uh, several weeks. And uh, I talk to them just about daily, hoping that uh, everything is going to be okay. So a lot of folks in this country are having uh, worse Worse problems than I have with a patch on my eye. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So you've already overcome your main problem. Now you can read the signs on on the turnpike. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Get rid of that prescription windshield. Yeah. You'll find everything has changed. <laughs> yeah. You know, so make sure it's you're living the right town. <laughs> When I was in the recovery fund uh, room there, they give you a little period of recovery. Of course, you don't have all completely out. You're on the table, and you're aware, and you can see, and you can hear, and he's telling you what he's doing, and uh, you hear the little saw or whatever it is that's ripping your lens out. And uh, in the recovery room, all the way across the hall, there's a little small television, and... um, at the very top, well, it's not a TV, it's for the Mayo Clinic. Uh, and uh, there was a, a word at the very top of it. And I uh, asked the nurse that worked that recovery room, I said, tell me that the first word at the very top <laughs> is Phillips. <laughs> and he said, yep, it says Phillips. I said, thank God. <laughs> and right under that, it said made in China. Yeah. <laughs> in small print. Yeah. Small print. Yeah. Well, that was great. It's oh, fun boy. to talk about it. After you have it, it's fun to talk about it. <laughs> Dorothy, take us out of here. Okay. Well, first, I'd like to say that we have 1,053 members now, which includes a brand new one that signed up uh, on September 8th. That's Linda K. Pearson. And she's 73 years old, and she resides in Florida. Uh, We're hoping that Linda may be listening tonight, and if she is, we'd love to have her fill in her profile and learn a little bit more about her and what she did at Eastern. 
Of course, folks, we're still looking for donors to be a sponsor to help us keep the radio voice of Eastern Airlines going strong <clears throat> across the airwaves of our wonderful planet Earth. That is right. We're heard in many countries across the globe. When you send in your donation of $40, remember you'll receive a signed copy of Neil's book, Wings of Many. And it's a fun read by Eastern people back in the days of the Eastern Air Transport to the Wings of Man and America's favorite way to fly. Send your correspondence and donations made out to Captain Neil Holland at the EAL Radio Show, 9776 San Jose Boulevard, 312B in Jacksonville, Florida, 32257. Why not be a sponsor by sending your donation to keep the radio voice of Eastern Airlines alive and well, and well into 2021? Uh, Thursday, we have our EAL Reaper show. Uh, that's the report. The, uh, uh, I'm sorry, the radio show for episode 24, and it's the interesting readings of repartee. Call in and join Neil, myself, and Don, and other hosts who join us. And at 213-816-1611, or of course you can listen in at the www.blogtalkradio.com slash Captain Eddie. All of the archived episodes of the EAL Reaper Radio Hour can be seen on our website, the Blog Talk. Our next Monday program, September 21st, is on the music and history, and uh, be sure to join us for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. (coughs) Following which, we'll have our ninth annual EAL Radio Show Hall of Fame. That will be on September 28th, and we plan to feature... Uh, Captain John Halliburton. And now we're approaching the airport at the end of our Eastern Flight 474 show, but we will be back next week sharing more Great Eastern talk. It looks like we are entering the controlled airspace of Seattle, Washington. So, Captain, would you please put us down gently at the SeaTac International Airport? Seattle Tower, Eastern 475. You're cleared to land on runway 16 left. All right, Seattle. I understand you want a gentle landing tonight, so I'm going to have my co-pilot, long-suffering Sam, make the landing. He is really good. We're cleared to land. (laughs) Good night. (laughs) Gear down. (laughs) There, There we go. Sam must be the dog. (laughs) (laughs) Woo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, handsome. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and Don, I mean, uh, Chuck, we're going to play a different song tonight uh, for our closing song. And just keep in mind, this song, instead of, uh, if you can, just visualize the subject of the song is our beloved Eastern Airlines. So, Chuck, you got it. All right, I'll just change it to our beloved Eastern Airlines. Great landing, Captain. 
Hey, we go country with episode 476, and our producer welcomes our requ- welcomes your request to play as long as he receives it, no later than next Thursday. We'll put it in uh, our lineup, and of course, we've always combined great music with great Eastern history. Now, it might be a good idea to catch us on our next broadcast on September the 24th of the Repo Radio Hour at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Stories of Pilots of Eastern Airlines. If you've not heard one of these broadcasts, you're really missing out on some great Eastern talk with some great stories by Eastern people. Next week, show broadcast stories by Eastern ladies. Our producer is telling me it's time to say goodbye, and this is Chuck Albright with employee number 01863 signing off on behalf of tonight's host, Captain Jim Holder, Terry Holder, Captain George Jen, Captain Mike Scott, Dorothy Gagdon, and Harry Lindquist, Mark Porter, and our producer, Neil Holland, playing with some of the new Eastern music.
Thanks all. Take care, Neil.